Hi, welcome to What Are the Tax Implications? I'm Ron Scott. I'm Jeff Rosenthal. We are your first call tax advocates here once again to help increase your financial and tax knowledge. In today's episode of What Are the Tax Implications? We'll be hearing from callers on the following topics. Ordinary, necessary, and reasonable expenses for a business owner. The statute of limitations when we want to get a refund and we need the money now. And shutting down an old business, getting out of that industry, starting up a new business in a different industry, and what are the tax implications of doing so? Whether you're the CEO of your household or of your business, questions constantly arise regarding the tax consequences of your financial circumstance. First Call Tax Advocates is always here to answer your questions and offer educational background regarding the potential tax implications of your action. Ron and Jeff are your first responders. They are board-certified financial and tax professionals with over 60 years of experience. Please visit their website, firstcalltaxadvocates.com. That's firstcalltaxadvocates.com. Learn more about them, explore their resources, and leave a review of your experience. For more urgent matters, please call them toll-free at 833-568-8999. That's 833-568-8999. The topics and responses discussed here are intended for general education. Our discussions are not intended to give you advice on your specific situation. We would advise you to seek advice from a competent and licensed professional. Tax law is always evolving and our discussions are based on the law existing to date. Our first caller is Velma from Vermont, a small business owner. Velma is concerned about last year's expenses and this year's expenses. What she's really getting at is following the rules of ordinary, necessary, and reasonable. This year, things have changed for her, and she wants to know what are the tax implications. First, she'd like to discuss transportation expenses. Her business uses a lot of trucks and therefore a lot of miles. Jeff, what should Velma be looking at when comparing this year to last year with regard to transportation expenses? That's an excellent question, Velma. Um, thank you for joining the podcast. So with vehicles, we have two choices. We can either do the cents per mile or we can do the actual expenses, but not both. So... Um, Ordinarily, if the vehicles are on the road and you have decent roads, then the cents per mile would be um, probably a better choice. Uh, but in this case now, thanks to the stay in place orders around the country, there's not a lot of mileage. So probably the actual expenses will be the more important. So Velma document, document. And oh, by the way, if I didn't say it, document. Some of those expenses, though, Jeff, could very well be insurance. If the trucks aren't on the road and she's paying that those fixed 
insurance expenses, they'll still be deductible, right? If we're going to the actual expenses, of course, they will be, as will be the lease or the rental of those vehicles. Um, now that we have the pandemic cleaning the vehicles, uh, you know, all of these things that uh, would have been there anyway, but maybe not in the same order. Velma is also concerned about cleaning, not only the trucks, but in her office, the cleaning company that she used has increased its invoice to her because of the additional chemicals that are needed to be used and the um, extra time spent. Jeff, is, is this reasonable? Well, it's certainly reasonable now. It would have been reasonable under the old standards. So ordinary, necessary, and reasonable, which is the standard, are encompassed in Internal Revenue Code 162. And what's reasonable for one business is not necessarily reasonable for another. But in the pandemic world, we're establishing new normals. So cleaning, sanitizing, these are as ordinary and reasonable as anything else. So Velma, Jeff's advice on documenting is key. And I guess being ready to explain if asked if it's an ordinary, necessary and reasonable expense, it really hasn't changed. The rules haven't changed. Okay? Uh, whatever you use your loan money for, though, please be careful. The rules are not settled yet. The law is not settled. So if you're using some of your um, economic impact or uh, payroll protection program money for expenses associated with your business, documentation is key. Jeff, what things should Velma make sure that she documents well with regard to that? Well, PPP uh, the payroll protection plan currently covers 75% or up to 75% of payroll and 25% for qualified utilities. We're still looking for specific guidance, but certainly rent, uh, electric, telephone, uh, interest uh, on any business debt. And uh, uh, as I said, rent for the business or rent for maybe for the copiers, those would be deductible. What other things constitute utilities? We're still trying to wait for guidance from Washington. Lastly, Velma wants to know. Hey, you first call tax advocates, guys. I have to work from home to run my business. Now, is there an opportunity for me to deduct something because I'm using my home? Oh, boy. There's a loaded question there for Velma. Um Certainly office and home expenses have the potential for abuse, so the government looks at them more. But yes, you have to have very specific um, uh, requirements here. So regular and exclusive use of a portion of your home. So one room or half of one room, you just can't use your kitchen table. Uh, 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 and I would suggest documentation, even photographic documentation that you're using that portion of your home for business. So Velma, it sounds like you just have to keep good records and it doesn't really matter comparing one year to the next. 
Ordinary, necessary, and reasonable expenses are all that you're allowed to deduct. Good luck, Velma. Our next caller is Rudy from Rutherford. And he wants to know, you know, I didn't file my taxes in the past because I was getting refunds. And the refunds were, you know, not really not that much. So I figured I would just wait and I would eventually get to filing. Well, things have not worked out too well and I need the money. So I'd like to file my back tax return so that I can get my refund. You think the IRS can move quickly on this? Um, Jeff, what are the tax implications of filing returns now to get my refund? An excellent question, Rudy. Um, the IRS tells us that roughly 7 million people in the country haven't filed multiple years, so you're in a pretty large group. There are specific rules. Uh, you can e-file uh, for the last three years, and that will certainly expedite the processing of your returns. And refunds would be um, reasonably handled, but not in the paper and pen world. But Rudy has six years. Jeff, you said something about three years. Can he e-file the fourth, fifth, and sixth year back? Rudy, the e-file system is currently configured. You can only go three years and you can certainly file back taxes with paper and pen, but there are rules for refunds. Rules for refunds for Rudy from Rutherford. Wow, that's a mouthful. So Rudy may not get his refund. I'm confused with your answer, Jeff. Can he file and get a refund? In year four, unless you meet very special and specific circumstances, the answer is you're not eligible for a refund. The statute of limitations have passed. Ah, so simply put, there's a three-year statute of limitations that if you haven't filed, you will not get your refund. Is that the rule, Jeff? That is the rule. So, Rudy, if you really need that money from years four, five, and six back, you're probably not going to get it. But I would try in the future to stay up to date. Now, the... Um, the statute of limitations for filing in general, there are some rules associated with, um, you know, the IRS kind of questioning something that may have been filed. So, Jeff, if a person's um, tax return is examined by the IRS, are they allowed to just examine any year? Well, normally... They can only go back three years unless there are systemic problems, the same problem habitually um, abused. Uh, but ordinarily, there's a three-year statute of limitations. So three years for the IRS to look back at your, your tax returns. Okay. Aren't there some rules, though, if they find some significant differences let's say there was a an error and your error was a significant reduction in your income thus a significant reduction in your tax is there any 
Uh, is there any way that the IRS can maybe look back further? Uh, the answer is there is a six-year statute if you fail to report 25% or more, and then there are rules within those rules. Ah, so when we're looking at the statute of limitations, the plot thickens. So lastly, <clears throat> what if a taxpayer has committed a real no-no and they are being investigated by the IRS for fraud. Can the IRS, are they limited to three or six or is there a different rule there? Oh, there's a very different rule there. Uh, fraud like murder has zero statute of limitations. They can go back forever. So the statute of limitations is put in place to protect the taxpayer for the most part but make sure that collections are made when the, when the fair amount of taxes do. So it's three years back on refunds, three years back on the IRS checking the, uh, you know, just, you know, questioning your return. Six years if there was an understatement of income and unlimited. Hey, Ron, tax fraud. Let me throw something in here because of the unusual circumstances that we find ourselves with the pandemic, it will be possible for businesses to um, take their losses for 2020 and carry them back. Uh, you can carry them back under the pandemic for five years. And that will directly conflict with the three-year statute of limitations, except in this case, They've extended special rules. So normally there's a three-year rule, but in the case of business losses, which we will call net operating losses, you can actually go back five and still get a refund. Ah, so Rudy, were your refunds you know, related to business? Maybe we'll cover that question uh, when you call us back in the future. But good luck, Rudy. Remember, the First Call Tax Advocates, Ron and Jeff, are your first responders. Board-certified professionals, over 60 years of experience. Visit their website, firstcalltaxadvocates.com. That's firstcalltaxadvocates.com. Learn more, explore, and leave a review. For more urgent matters, call them toll-free at 833-568-8999. That's 833-568-8999. And for you subscribers, we offer a complimentary consultation to discuss your tax matter. Our last caller of this episode is Bob from Beaumont. Bob shut down his business this year. He cashed out. He had money put aside, but he is not ready to retire. This entrepreneur is looking for a new business. So for the balance of the year, he will be doing some research. Um, he's building a business plan. He's traveling to look at different locations. He's working with different advisors, helping him plan out his marketing strategy and all of those other expenses associated with figuring out what you want to do before you put the shovel in the ground and before you start collecting dollars. So 
Jeff, what are the tax implications for Bob when it comes to these these expenses that are piling up for a business that he hasn't formed yet? Hey, Bob, welcome to the show, and thank you for the wonderful question, um, and thank you for being an entrepreneur. Well, the tax code is rather specific. If you're not yet in business, you can't deduct those expenses, but you can accumulate them and then carry them over to the next year. So is it only one year? Carried over to the next year? What if Bob doesn't find a business in 2021? And indeed, some businesses have done just that. So, for example, the biochemical world, they're researching to bring a new drug and it may take two, three, four, five years. You keep carrying them over until such time where you actually do conduct business. So, Bob, you're going to have to keep really good records receipts, you know, all all the things you must for the ordinary, necessary, and reasonable expenses associated with this research that you're doing. Well, Jeff, let's say that Bob finds the business that he wants to start up and he, you know, uh, maybe procures a building and, you know, has an architect help with some redesign and there's furnish furnishings and office equipment, et cetera, and he starts making money. How does he handle these prior year expenses? What techniques are available to Bob for deducting these expenses? Okay, so there's several different groups in there. First of all, the machinery and equipment would be depreciated once you begin uh, business. So you're capitalizing them. Uh, the actual research of site development and research into your competitors, uh, you would categorize those and you would either expense them or amortize them depending upon the rules once you begin new business. So expensing, that term expensing means in the year that the expenses, right, were paid or incurred, that's the year that they can be deducted as expenses. And amortizing can take place, I believe, over a five-year period. And the capitalizing can take place over the useful life of the machine or the property. So there are a lot of different uh, parts of the tax code that can be leveraged by Bob in order for him to, I guess, have a return of capital before he even started the business, but not until he started the business. And that is a great area to go back and talk about just briefly. So we're not trying to make you into a tax expert, letting you know that there are people out there who can sift through the difference between a current expense, an expense that must be amortized, or an expense that must be capitalized. Bob, I hope you find something that you love doing. Sorry that you had to shut down your old business, but it's good to know that the tax code could be on your side when it comes to the ultimate deduction and relief that you're looking for. And hopefully, you know, um, you'll be able to do what you did for others with your new business and be profitable. 
Good luck, Bob. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. You probably have additional questions, don't you? We are your first call. Remember, everyone's situation is unique, but we should be your first call. We are your first responders. The 911 operator doesn't call you. Please call us toll-free at 833-568-8999. Again, 833-568-8999. And visit our website at firstcalltaxadvocates.com. We'd love to know what you've learned today. So please leave a review on our website. We have attempted to appeal to a broad audience, but we want to help everyone if we can. On the next episodes of What Are the Tax Implications, we'll be discussing the taxation of life insurance, when a business owner is thinking he's doing the right thing by using the sales tax and payroll tax money to pay his workers, and with so many dividends being suspended, person needs money. What happens when he sells his shares of stock?